0: Episode of Balancing Business and Babies. I am here today. I'm joined by the lovely Laura Martin. Laura works with Canary Careers. She is the business director of Canary Careers. And I'm gonna let Laura introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself. So welcome to the podcast, Laura. It's so lovely to have you on and thank you for coming on. Do you wanna just let everyone know a little bit about Laura
1: and a bit about Canary Careers and a little bit about your family life? Absolutely. Thank you, Lucy, so much for having me today. As Lucy mentioned, I'm Laura. I'm coming at you today from Austin, Texas, originally an Atlanta, Georgia native. And I'm the business director over at Canary Careers. I've been there for about a year. So my business partner's over in the Norwich area in the UK. So we are across the pond servicing globally for people who need help with their careers. I've been married for about 12 years, that guy over there. And we have four beautiful children ages today actually the one who made me a mom turns nine today so Ah, it's very special thanks so much and we call it birthday season around here because most of their birthdays are like within a three-week span so anybody who knows us knows that there's a lot of cake that comes through our house and a lot of great parties to attend so yeah my daughter's nine we've got two little boys currently just four and three about to change over and then uh, a one-year-old as well, a little girl. In between, kind of all the sports and activities, the unlimited play date. I find myself doing a little bit of work for Canary Careers, mostly that type of work that I handle is a lot of emails, client support. I've been helping out with our web development, our socials. I've commissioned an ebook for our director. Needless to say, it's been like a really busy year doing all the things, but also in the season of motherhood. I never thought that there would be so many things that would come my way that I would be able to tackle all at once. I'm pretty happy with how things have shaped up so far. That's so amazing. I'm actually a little bit in
0: awe of what you've just said, all of the information you just gave me then. It's like you've got four children. Did you say four? You said four. And you're a business director. And how are you juggling and doing both with the four children and being a business director, I work with myself and I've only got the one child and I'm finding it hard to do it that way, but I'm
1: just wondering how you're managing to do it yes. with four. <laughs> so that's such a great question. I look back at the time when it was just me and my husband and Elle, our firstborn, and I felt like all of those firsts were so overwhelming. And at the time I was working for a medical device company, working remotely, and I was still hopping on client calls. It was a lot just balancing that. Unfortunately, we did have a part-time nanny who is still very much a part of her family, even though she's not, she's in New York. So we don't get to see her as much. But I really attribute to having hands on deck to my success because I had time where I could really just focus on work. But then as soon as I was off the clock during those days it was fully the mom hat on. And I felt fortunate that I didn't have to put my daughter in daycare. I know that a lot of people don't have that option. So by bringing somebody to the house, it was the best setup for us also because my husband was active duty military at the time. And let's see, for the first year of her life, he was gone about 150 nights and he flew, I think, 240 days. I think we went back and did the math. So a lot of the times when I was still trying to be my best employee and my best mom, she was definitely my sidekick and, and her smiles got me through all the times that felt challenging. So when I look back and I compare going from one now all the way at four, it's just this gradual overhaul in the confidence of motherhood and also being able to tackle a lot of things from a business perspective. But I, I honestly felt like it was so much harder with just one than it is now spinning multiple plates. Yeah, a lot of people have said that to me, actually, because I,
0: I wish people wouldn't ask it, but it is one of those common questions when you have one child, everyone says to you, oh, are you having another one? When are you having another one? And it's, I'm all I'm all right with the one, thanks. But yes. a lot of people have said to me that it is actually easier in some ways to have more than one because they, especially if they're similar in ages or they either play with each other if they're similar in ages, so they entertain themselves, or if you've got one that's very young and you've got one that's slightly older the older one can help and help you so I have heard it is obviously I know there are obviously other challenges with having multiple children but I have heard it
1: is easier sometimes because you do have a little bit of extra help there and I think it's definitely all relative right like we had Elle as a four-year only child until her brother came into the picture Not by choice either, because as many of us out there know, you don't always get to pick when motherhood arrives for you or not. And I think that there's just so much to be said for those moments after the kids are tucked into bed and and it's for you. How are you going to spend that time? And I am just super guilty of this, Lucy, that for so long, I'm just like putting on the TV for a couple of hours and just binge watching favorite shows, what have you. But now, just from a fulfilling perspective, like I I really don't mind doing work after hours. And one of the things when I came on board with Ryan, actually, just like a quick backstory there. So I was in the medical device field for about 14 years. I was halfway through my pregnancy with my most recent daughter. And we were at a a point financially where it may have canceled out between child care and keeping my salary. And I was able to take a step out of that job. And once I was about three months postpartum, my husband and I came back to the table and was like, listen, like there's a lot of shared responsibilities going on here. Like both of us are firing on all cylinders every day. He's working his tail off. I'm doing everything that I can for the kids. as Head chefs, head laundress, head chauffeur, you know how that is. (laughs) And um, but at the same time, there was still a key component missing And I was really hesitant because I was like, if I'm going to be going back to work, it better be something that I'm really passionate about. And it's hard to identify what passion really looks like when you have just been flying under the radar. Quite honestly, I was doing just enough to get by. I started off as a standout salesperson and then got more into customer servicing roles, training and education. I wasn't growing or developing, though. I wasn't raising my hands for other opportunities because the priority are my children. And so I was really nervous and my husband had used Ryan for his own resume needs and was like, you should call Ryan and let him help you with your resume. Because I don't know if anybody else listening to this is guilty of it, but when you're at a company for that long, you just like 100% forget about your resume. (laughs) So I called Ryan and he was great. Just initially, just right off the bat, I felt very much at peace that I could be 100% honest with, I wasn't really sure where the next direction was going to take me. And in addition to just knowing that I was going to get a resume out of this, he offered career coaching sessions as well. And I chuckle looking back at those sessions because I was really all over the map, Lucy. I was like, I could be a travel agent like my mom or I really like to play at a party. I'm I'm good at shopping for people. And he was just supportive, but gently guiding me away from those. And he was like, I really want you to think more on what is going to make you happy and let's get some other ideas. So. I think one of the things that really helped me also in preparation for this is I had a mentor in my life for about 20 years, and he passed away just before that time that it pivoted out of that 14-year career. And, And some last advice that he gave me was that I should never change, which I thought was just a very sweet compliment. And he said, you have to take a break, Laura. He was like, I don't care if you take a break for a month or a year, but you owe it to yourself and your family to take this break. And I just those words resonated with me because when Ryan and I went through my non-negotiables list, I was like, first of all, if I'm going back to work, they have to 100% being okay. That's got to be flexible because I can't predict which kid is going to get strip throat which week or who's going to break what at practice. So the flexibility was going to be the number one. And then I was also very intentional with, I like to be recognized where I work. I want my efforts to be congratulated things of that nature. And we just went through the list. And at the end of that process, when Ryan gave me my resume, he was kind enough to offer me a role. He said, I could really use some help with somebody like you. So here we are, only one year out and doing some great big things. And I just really appreciate getting that extra support. I feel like when I speak with other moms and they hear about that career transition I made while still honoring this chapter of my life, they are inspired. And then they are also a, they get a resume from us and B, they are they're more confident taking that path. And that's what we like to share with people.
0: I think that's I think that's a really useful piece of advice, actually. What you said about having non-negotiables. We either panic about, oh, I need a job and we'll just take anything. But you're in that job for probably more than you're at home for a lot of us. And it's got to be something that you like and or, or love, at least minimum yeah. and I know that obviously we have situations if you've got children to feed and and families and you just want to bring in the money and I get that and I do appreciate that people will just have a job just for money. But if you have got the option and you have got the support behind you to be able to take a break and reassess your situation and be a little bit more choosy about your jobs and and where you're going, I think having non-negotiables of what you need like flexibility or You want to be able to work from home or you don't want to travel X amount of distance. I think it's really important because I've done a couple of episodes now where we've always circled back to mental health, either about dad's mental health, mom's mental health. And it's such a big thing. And I think that it's very easy to let that kind of creep up on you sometimes. And having those non-negotiables, I think, is very important. So I really think that's a really good piece of advice to anyone.
1: Absolutely. And I think another part of it that I just want to call out that... An absolute privilege to be able to choose the job that you want. I'm yeah. with you. There's a lot of people out there could be listening that they're like, I don't really have a choice. I just have to go with whoever will take me. But my advice also on that would be like, if there is a point where you are able to pivot or take on a mentor or take an extra class here and there, you just never know which door is going to open for you, and you don't know who who is going to resonate with your story. So I I empower everybody to be in your best version of yourself so that when you share it, it is heard loud and clear. You were saying about your husband being in the military and I know you said you
0: had a nanny and I wanted to go back into the support system that you had around you. Was that something that you had or did you have a big support system? Because I know a lot of people don't and obviously... Parenting can be quite lonely. Even if you've got a support system around you, it can be lonely. It may not be like family. A lot of people don't have family that they can call on. My family is very small. My mum passed away, unfortunately, two years ago from COVID. She got COVID basically and didn't come out of it. We all got stuck at the same time with it. My son had just turned one, I think, when she died. I lost my main Support system, but I've got my husband, so I did have that as a fallback basically, and he's been amazing. But I know there's some people don't, and I wanted to see what your sort of support yeah. system has been like with your husband being away as much as he is with the military. Because I know that military
1: systems, I know there are military wives out there, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> First of all, Lucy, I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your mom, you. and I think that she would be just so proud of what you're up to today, and so. Congrats to you on that. But I will also mention that from a support system standpoint, so when we were getting our footing as parents for the first time, we didn't have a lot of people up in New York where we lived. My folks were in Atlanta. Joe's parents, I think, had already moved to Dallas at that point. And yeah, we had like just a handful of neighbors in our little cul-de-sac, or I guess it was more a circle. Now we're at a cul-de-sac, but yeah. Our little circle back in New York. And so having a part time nanny, so just four hours a day, was integral because I had really nobody else to lean on. It's really interesting when you start picking out who is going to be a part of your family in that way. Like the first few babysitters and nannies we went through, I was like, oh no, these folks are not going to make the cut. Like I've got to make sure that they've either been an experienced babysitter or like possibly a mother in a previous life. Yeah. If the baby is not feeling the babysitter, it's just not going to work out <laughs> for us. So where we landed the most is Jess. And maybe she'll end up listening to this one day, but I would not be the mom that but I am without her support. Yeah, that's lovely. She would just step in. She would help me with laundry, dishes. She actually, my daughter took her first steps. With her, I was upstairs on a phone call and she recorded it in her New York accent. She said, oh my God, you're checking your first steps or you're walking." It was so cute. But yeah, it's amazing. You have to have support from somewhere. Again, another privilege. And there were a couple of other new moms on the block too. So we'd get off of work. One of them was just a stay-at-home mom. So she was always ready to go for a walk whenever I was. Just getting the little support, like maybe grabbing a lunch with a neighbor, have them come in and and do that maybe while the child naps. So yeah, not a lot of family close by. And actually right now where we live in Austin, we don't have any family in Austin either. So we have acquired many friends that I would consider family at this point. Our neighbors are top notch. You don't know where that little tribe or community is going to come from. But I think one of the biggest shifts too is I used to be one of those people where I would just be like, I can do it all myself. But once I started shifting to allowing folks to help me here and there, Hey, if you're sick, like I've got Gatorade on your front door, or can I take the other kids to the park so you can get some rest? Little things like that really add up. If I'm getting sleep, I can run the world. But those first few years where you're not getting sleep, you're not clear headed. How can you be good at work? How can you be a decent wife, mom? It all adds up. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm a terrible sleeper. You touched on it earlier about that you like work late at night. I'm very similar to you. Like my job, my business has become my saving kind of grace in a way it's people leave work and they finish work and that's it and they shut off and they close off from work and watching tv and things like that I'm not I I answer emails I do my work because that's for me it's my little thing it's my little piece that I've got it's my little baby that I work on I'm a mom and a wife and then in the evenings when I've got time to myself I'm doing my admin and things like that that I need to do and
1: I enjoy it I like doing it it's my it's my thing. yeah. Oh, no, you enjoy it. Hey, you're doing amazing. I, I love that. I again, just those evening hours, like it's very fulfilling to finish off your checklist, and again, having that corner, that's just for you. It's almost therapeutic in a way. I don't know. on my other job, there were just lots of like metrics and quality yeah. and things like that, but when it's working on a small business or something on the side, like you are in charge of your own outcomes and your own quality, your own metrics. So it's what you put in is what you're going to get out, I'm sure. And in addition to being a night owl for this job, I'll oftentimes find myself in the morning, too, before the kids are up and before nobody needs me. I'm like, okay, what do we have? I, I guess I don't really turn off unless I'm completely asleep. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah,
0: I'm very, I'm a very similar. <laughs> Apart from the getting up in the morning, I don't do getting up in the morning
1: <laughs> unless I'm being awake. I know. <laughs> I was really not a morning person. But I do take my daughter to school in the morning. I don't know what time school starts over there, but my my little boy goes at nine. So I think, what? yeah, that's incredible. So my daughter starts at 735, Mm. which is just not great overall, I think, for the kids and their circadian rhythms and what they need. But she's thriving, so I'll let her have it. But they finish at 250. Wow, that's a long day. It is. I wish I could complain to somebody about that. I miss her. And is that every day? Is that like Monday to Friday? Yep. That's the public school. Mm -hmm. But the good news is it's just down the street from where we're at. I can literally see the school from our house. So that brings me some peace of mind. So That's really sharp. Is that like an American wide thing? That's a big question, because when I was growing up, I felt like it was more of an 8.15 to 3. And those extra few minutes in the morning are huge. So it's ballpark. Yeah, that's America. Okay, And if you're shocked, because it's just like a lot. I do electively send my younger sons to like a preschool and theirs is nine to two. And I like that a lot better for their ages. And I really feel like that it would be acceptable also for my daughter who's nine because those are just and gosh, the requirements they have on the kids these days. They are also have to be firing on all cylinders because if they're slipping, you'll hear about it. Yeah. My little boy, he's I say
0: he's four in April, so he's nearly four. He's at preschool and they do nine to three, which yeah he he loves it there. He's he's really happy there and he loves it. But that's really shocked me about that time. That seven, that That's
1: really. But actually, where we're talking about their school times, I just wanted to like highlight on the military once more because one of the really cool things is when you're in an active duty squadron, you're like automatic community like you have a meal train set up you have other spouses that are exactly in the same boat their husband all of our husbands and actually a lot of their wives too are flying together and but when you go to a reserve squadron it's like people have to sometimes fly in to be a part of that squadron so there's not as much community at that those locations so going from active duty when we didn't have kids, but a lot of those women around me did, that's where I got a lot of my first footing. Like, how do you, how are you ladies doing all this? A lot of my first inspiration. So then when we moved from California to New York and I'm seeing that there's not as much community, that's when I had to take a step back. And I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to manage this, which then led us to my husband transitioning out of the military going to get his MBA at the University of Texas. And, and that's why we're in Austin. Sorry, I didn't touch on that part earlier. But yeah, we've lived a little bit of everywhere. We've met lots of other great families, working moms. There's a lot of us out there, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I know that certainly the the military wives, I mm-hmm. know that there's a, a big, massive community. You have to forgive my ignorance with it because none of my family are in the military. I think my great grandfather was something to do with the army i think but other than that's about as much knowledge as i've got on the military you answered it a little bit that he's he's transitioned out of it now but i was going to say how were you finding it being a military mum? because you are essentially then a single parent while he's in active
1: duty aren't you technically yeah definitely for more for those deployed spouses yeah. like when their husbands or wives are gone for the whole seven or eight months that's a lot He did a couple of those. He did one when we were engaged or right before we got engaged. He was gone for quite a while. But it's different when you throw kids in the mix because then they're like, where's mom? Where's dad? And so you do put on the single parent hat. And I just I think that I'd I'd rather start off with a a child and have the parent be active duty and gone because it really helped me get my footing like that. I'm capable like I can get food on the table. I, I can go to the grocery store alone with you. I actually remember the first trip Ellen and I took, we went to Home Depot together and I felt like it was such a big deal. Just to still remember the first time we went to the park together and I was nursing, but not sure how to nurse in public yet. And I just remember sitting on the bench with all of my bags and my stroller, probably just looking so overwhelmed. And another mom came to the rescue and she was like, oh, you don't have to worry about any of that. Just feed your kid. And so her name was Heather. Wherever you go, you're probably going to find somebody else who's either been in your boat or is in your boat or about to be. So just going into it with plenty of support, it just really makes all the difference in the world. That's good. And so what that support looks like now with the, this one's got t-ball, this one's at basketball, this one's got school. I'd say my husband and I are a pretty good team. We try to cover all of our bases. And there are days where I'm just like all set with it. Hey, I got to take a five o'clock nap. Like I didn't have that on my radar. But Can you launch everybody? And if he's not working, he'll be able to. And the same thing goes for him. If he just needs a break, again, a privilege to have a teammate in the parenting world for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've got my husband and having it. a teammate is good when you're on the same page with each other. It's very helpful because I know a lot of parents out there either mums or dads they unfortunately don't have I'm very privileged to have the husband that I've got he's fantastic and he's amazing and I wanted to ask you from not just a yeah, mum's so- point of view but from a wife's point of view I have to ask because I want to generally kill my husband about three times a day but <laughs> I still love him but obviously he drives me up the wall how did you cope like with your husband being like I still wasn't want him gone for that length of time even though he annoys me yeah (laughs) i just wanted to see how as a wife how do you cope with your husband not being there
1: i i look back on it because now that i'm further removed from it it's all blur but i remember there were many late nights where i felt anxious and i couldn't sleep I feel because my daughter had to nurse in the middle of the night, that was almost like a chicken point for me. Oh, I'm going to be up anyway. Let me nurse her, get her back to sleep, and then I'll get on my rhythm. I think what worked really well for us is I know a lot of folks out there really like FaceTime, but I have found in my experience that it makes it a little more challenging. And I think what also helped was like the commiseration. Yes, the military is very important and all those great things, but at the end of the day, it's a job for them too, and it's pretty mundane. You're getting in the same office every day. And you're just flying around and you'll probably read a book and let the plane do most of the work. He was a pilot. So it's not like he's like doing maintenance and not flying. But yeah, we'll program in this. Definitely sometimes a little jealous if they were going somewhere cool. Like he's been to, oh my gosh, he'd fly out to Hawaii, a few places in Europe, Montana, Alaska. And it would always be really sweet when he'd bring home like a little plush toy for Elle. Because she was the only one that we had when he was active duty. He did do a little bit in the reserves, but not very much. But yeah, more than anything, it was just like, you get addicted to the homecoming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's just so good when they're home. And now that he's not gone a lot, <laughs> what he does very infrequently, he he's 100% remote as well, which I very much appreciate during the season because there's always so much going on and every little contribution helps. But there may come a point where, maybe he'll travel more again for a different role and we'll think back on those times where wow if i could get through it like getting my footing as a new mom yeah. with you being gone surely now that i've got nine years in that i could handle it yeah the teamwork really helps yeah. and yeah that those military days man they build character faster than you want to there's a whole other element to that that is just not spoken on i think probably the general population is probably attending funerals when they're later in life and it's a little different yeah. when you're younger and the people that you fly with you're not flying with them anymore so there's a whole other emotional support element that comes into it that isn't really talked about a lot yeah
0: yeah it is certainly not something i think i could do anyway being a, a military spouse it's not i think the constant kind of worry of what they're doing and where they are and that sort of thing i have anxiety anyway and i think that would just play on my mind too much just it's the the
1: motherhood though there's always gonna be like a constant influx of anxiety it's just what are you going to subscribe to yes yes and taking so much of it with a grain of salt too like usually if there's a season that's like stressing me out like i joke with a lot of people that my new three-year-old he's like in this pterodactyl phase (laughs) where (laughs) he can't be raised with he's very loud and screamy but i think Just in general, I I think he's a bright kid, but it's just there's a lot firing on that brain right now. So, yeah, I'm sometimes anxious. Is this season going to be like forever? But then I look at my other kids I'm like, no, it's time is a thief. I'm going to blink and they're going to be into something totally different. And I'll have a whole new worry. I think my nine year old said a couple of weeks ago, she was like, mom, every boy in my class has a crush on me. And I'm like, oh, goodness, (laughs) If it's not one thing, it's something else. So. I love that. pterodactyl and...
0: phase. That's brilliant. My absence <laughs> yeah, just coming out. For sure. that,
1: so. <laughs> Let me know what the, that says
0: as next. Yeah, like, it, it seems like the attitude phase and unfortunately sat. seems to be the next oh. one. We went in the shop the other day and I wanted to cry. The shop woman said to me, I just wanted to tell you, your little boy is so polite and friendly. I was like, oh, thank you. I'm so proud. And then we get home and the attitude well, starts and it's like he's blowing raspberries at me when I ask him to do something or. His new thing or his favourite thing to do is I'll say, Jake, can you get this for mummy or can you do this for mommy? How about no? And he says it exactly like that. Okay. And I'm like, okay. I don't really know what to do with that That now. sounds
1: like a learned behaviour. It is. Oh, it did. is.
0: His dad, it was his dad's <laughs> fault. I've completely blamed his dad for this one. Do you remember Austin Powers? Sure. Um, of course. Dr. Evil. Also, Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Dr. <laughs> Evil, there's one... It's used as a meme in a lot of Instagram and TikTok posts and it's where Dr. Evil is on his little chair and Mm. someone says something to him and he comes over on his little chair, he like wheels over and he goes, how about no, like this. And my husband jokingly said it to my son once and it's just stuck with him and now whenever I say something to him, he goes, how about no, I'm like okay <laughs> that's so my fault.
1: always but... cracks me <laughs>
0: that is great i love I that i can't not laugh at him unfortunately well, um... but yeah it's the attitude thing that comes next unfortunately gosh
1: thank you for the heads yeah. up i will be better prepared and that time will knowledge even if you've already been in and out of the season like it's coming back around yeah, yeah. something new every day for sure <laughs>
0: absolutely I, I wanted to ask, obviously being the sporty person i am clearly as you can tell forgive me a five pronounce this wrong you used to be an ncaa athlete what is that can you tell me a little bit about that
1: ncaa yeah let's see i would probably lose my scholarship if i forgot what that acronym stood (laughs) for it was probably like national champions athletic athlete i don't know but nas something like that so that is actually the branch that oversees all the college athletics here in the u.s okay they have three divisions as far as i'm aware and top division one, division two in the middle, division three, a little less for like how, you know, the level that you're competing at. I played at a division one school. I went to uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and I was lucky enough to be on the team for four years and get my college paid for. So that was awesome. Wow. And wouldn't would have it that my daughter so far is not very interested in tennis, but she will play. But she's mom. That's your thing. I'm not doing it. <laughs> So, yeah a lot of good years playing tennis for sure it's yeah. awesome see we've gone from being a
0: sort of pro athlete we've gone now to being military wife to being business director at canary careers where does your sort of drive and your passion for doing this because clearly you Have
1: a drive in you to achieve or overachieve, even. So, where do you think that comes from? Times where I have been able to harvest this motivation. So, first of all, I'm the youngest of four girls. And when you're the youngest, you always have to find a way to be heard or get yourself in the spotlight. And so, very competitive with my next oldest sister. She's 18 months older than me. So, whatever she was doing, I wanted to be naturally better. And so I did eventually pass her up in tennis at some point, but I will say she evened the tally with her musical and artistic contributions. So good job on that, Jill. And then my two older sisters are five years older than me and eight years older than me, almost the exact same separation as my other kids are. So it's really cool to see that dynamic. But I do remember early on in my tennis career, I went to a tennis academy the whole nine years, playing several days a week. Doing drills and all kind of stuff, and I I felt naturally naturally talented at it. Around the age my daughter is right now, I think I was on my first team already. It was definitely the worst one on the team, but they had free cupcakes, so I was going to definitely not miss any of the competition. And as I got better and better, I was upstairs in my sister's room one day, and my mom had a friend over, and her son was a very top tier tennis player in the circuit already. And I remember his mom was asking him, and I'm, of course, overhearing my mom too, and she said, do you think Laura's going to make, like, at a very young age? Because I really do think the kids these days, it's decided very early. Like, what sport are you going to be somewhat decent at, if at all? And he said, there's no way that it's going to happen for Laura. And just hearing that and them not knowing I was listening upstairs was soul-crushing in a way. But at the same time, again, at a pretty young age, so I think I probably had to be 10 or 11 at that point because I'd already been playing tennis for a couple of years. I just remember thinking to myself, I'm going to show that guy. So thank you, Marco (laughs) Serenko. So yeah, then I went on to play. Things just really started picking up around that age. I was vested and it was a really great social outlet for me too because And now you know what American schools look like. I'm there most of the day. So anytime I'm not in school, I'm happier. I'm not sure if I was doing sports, right? So that's where the earliest motivation started. And then more in my adult life, a few other pivotal moments was after college and being on that free ride sensation for so long it's, oh, great. Now I have to be an adult and get a job. So naturally what a tennis player would do would, would be to then go teach tennis for a little while. So I did that. went back to my academy and I taught for a year. I lived with my parents in Atlanta. So a lot of that looked like teaching from four to eight every night and then going out and partying till all hours of the night. And I think eventually my parents were over that. So they were like, hey, you need to get a real job. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, probably. And so my mentor, who I'd stuck with forever and ever, helped me get in my foot in the door at this medical device company. And I remember when I flew from Atlanta to Los Angeles, because I was working in Northridge, California. I just remember thinking, like, knowing in that moment that a new chapter was starting. And my parents were gracious enough to ship my car from Atlanta to LA. So when I got to LA, I had a friend from college that let me sleep on his floor for six weeks. So that was very character-building. But that first I think it was the first day after I got settled. He had picked me up from the airport and all that. But I was still waiting for my car to be delivered. So I walked out and then there's this place in Los Angeles. It's Washington Boulevard, Abbot Kinney Boulevard. And I'm like on the corner of Abbot Kinney and I look out and I just feel, and I know this sounds really cliche, but I'm certain that there are other people out there that have felt this way, that I was just like spreading my wings for the first time in my life as an adult. And I was just overcome with grief. Like, I I can't, there's no way I can do this. Like, I'm so used to this life of teaching tennis and partying and doing everything my way. And now I'm going to be a corporate in the corporate world. I don't even know this product that I'm getting ready to sell. I don't know this disease state. Like, what am I doing? And then as like very quickly as it came on, it ended. And I was like, no, Laura, like you can do this. This is going to be great. So I think I have that just intrinsic positivity about me that I can get through challenging times. And then last but not least, the motivation that propels me forward currently was that final conversation that I had with my mentor. The really special thing about mentors is that when you have somebody in your corner and they believe in you so much, like you start to believe in that part about you as well. And yeah, I really attribute the success that I'm in currently because I was able to take on something that really spoke to me and that was one of his goals for me before he passed. So yeah, that's I'm still riding on that motivation that I am good enough and that I can do some pretty decent stuff. So if there are other people listening that are mentors or need to be mentored, when you have somebody in your corner that believes in you, you can do just about anything.
0: Yeah. I I think he sounds like a really amazing person. Yeah, you obviously had a amazing mentor that has obviously meant a lot to you the way you're talking about him it's obviously yeah. very fondly that you're speaking of him so he's obviously a very special person my mentor was my mum, and I was very similar she was my cheerleader basically she's like the voice in the back of my head every time I feel like I'm going downhill a little bit or I'm not doing very well or something like that I get this little voice in the back of my head and she always used to say that I could do anything, and I know all parents say that to their children, but it was something that stuck with me. And she always said to me, "She said you shouldn't really be working with anyone, Lucy. She said you should have your own company. She said you're more than capable of having your own company." And at the time, I was actually working, and this was like ten, twenty years ago. She said, "You're," you, she said, "You should just have your own company." She said, "You, that's what you need to do," and it stuck with me. and here we are and that's my drive she was right she was she generally was most things
1: <laughs> yeah most things, like, for sure. yeah absolutely <laughs> that's great
0: and what Good. do you see with canary careers obviously it's got in there as the business director what do you see in terms of your role as canary careers how do you see it evolving and How do you plan on fitting that in with your life going
1: forward? I plan to be there as long as Ryan will have me on board. So that's number one. Number two, I have like very big goals for us. The competition out there is pretty much just like robots writing resumes. And I think we offer just something really special by having that human connection. Like we understand that these are actual real life people trying to get really good livelihoods to provide for their families or live the life that they imagined. If it lines up enough for them, maybe financial freedom too. So some of the things that I have on the forefront for us is we want to get some more workshops going. We want to empower people that their resume could be their golden ticket and to the life that they want. I think that we have some speaking engagements on the horizon. We have some VIP clients that we're supporting and we can help them down that avenue as well. And yeah, it could be just a multitude of different revenue streams for us. But one that's really exciting too is that Ryan put together a couple of courses on job interviewing and how to build your own resume where we actually share the format of the resumes that we create for other people. So like perhaps if purchasing like a resume service through us is not in the budget, we can share with you the course and and we can teach you how to do it. And then in turn, maybe you can help your friends or it could be like a really good Thing to be able to take those. And so far, the feedback that we've gotten on them is that they're it's really good for our neurodivergent friends out there, too, because you can take the courses at your own pace and come back to them. And the expertise really just comes. He's got about been writing for over 10 years. He's got like an MFA in creative writing. Like he knows what he's doing. And actually, his grandfather was a resume writer, too. So it's like in his blood, like he can hardly help himself, but write like a killer resume for you. So yeah, a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into those courses that he made. So we definitely want to amplify that and share that with people too.
0: Brilliant.
1: Sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it with yeah. my veg assistant stuff. I've
0: done a couple of clients that I've done like recruitment for and things like that. And it, you, you, you wouldn't think it's such an involved kind of thing. You think, oh, okay, you've got a job seeker, they've got a job. That's it. But like you say, there's so many different things with the CVs and everything
1: and everyone's formats CVs differently. I think his inspiration for that was when so he was playing professional soccer and I think when people were getting at the end of their career, they weren't sure what they were going to do. So he was like, oh, he saw it as an opportunity. Like I can help people get the jobs they want. I can start writing. And so he would meet with people to try to better understand how do companies sift through these CVs to get the jobs that they want. So that's part of I think what differentiates us from other people is that we know exactly what these companies are looking for. We can help with strategic keywords. We can help highlight your achievement and stuff like that. So he's really good at what he does. But then since he brought me on, I guess I can help him be really good at what he does. So taking a lot of stuff off his plate and signing him up for things that maybe he wouldn't otherwise think that he could do. But I definitely believe in what he has going on, which is why I'm here. I want to see him get some more workshops. You guys can definitely do one of his workshops if you're tuning in. We'll get you all the info for that. It'll be really fun. Fantastic. And then my last question,
0: especially for your children, but any other sort of younger people, what lessons would you say that you've taken from your career and your life would you like to pass on to your children or younger people that might be looking up to you? What lessons have you picked up from?
1: That is such a big one. And I probably should have contemplated that maybe you would ask me such a question <laughs> in this set. But I think like from my daughter, like or for my daughters, because I have two of them, just that pretty much they can do literally anything, anything that they put their minds to. And if somebody is there to hold them back or tell them no, then that's not really their person. Unless from like a safety perspective, I'm sure there will be things in their lives that I'll have to use my own experience to drive them to and fro. But as far as like following dreams and passions, like we're sowing seeds for it now. They are already for years have been requesting our time, like, mom, will you put together these bracelets with me? And it's like those very small, tender moments where they just love being in your presence. And I think that they're going to be able to carry that feeling into things that they get excited about. So again, I, I think it sounds cliche, but to my daughters, they can do anything. And I'm specifically shouting it out to them because I do feel like we still live in times where it's male dominated. And so what I want for my sons is for them to amplify their women counterparts, but at the same time, still fully having that confidence about themselves, because I think it can definitely coexist. And I see that also in my husband's career. There are so many females that he works with that everybody is better off just because of the collaboration. I I think overall, just find the people that believe in you, find somebody that looks like they're doing okay with their life and say, how'd you do that? And align yourself with it. And it actually just reminds me of one other person that was super inspirational in my life that I hope that I have been able to kind of weave their mentality into my motherhood. It was a gentleman that I worked for and actually was able to babysit for his family for a number of years, too. And he was super high up in the company and he definitely knew what kind of money I was making, which was not very much. And I think he totally felt bad for me. Splash really just wanted to go out with his wife. So he let me babysit his kids. And when he even when he would come home after a night out, he would still ask me like how things are going at work. And I couldn't believe that he actually cared enough to know what I thought. And one of his like sound like foundational principles about his leadership style was that he was just had what he liked to call a limitless curiosity about people because he was just so fascinated by every turn. And so I find myself as a mom, like as wonderful and as dually heartbreaking as it is that my baby is nine years old Mm -hmm. today. I try to just get into her world as much as I can. And I think that really makes all the difference because the way that I interact with her is probably going to be the way that she interacts with her friends and in her future place of work. And it goes for all the kids. I'm just using Elle as the example because it's her day when she's the one who put me on this path. But but yeah, just genuinely caring about people. And don't waste your time doing stuff that doesn't matter. The sooner you can cut out all the things that don't matter, the toxicity. and, And if you're not sure if it really is, see if you can live without it. And if you can, it probably doesn't need to be there anymore and you can create room for something now. So, yeah, I hope hopefully I'm doing something right out here, Lucy. I'm trying. I'll tell you what.
0: (laughs) No, I definitely think you are. I love that. I think that's a really nice thing that you said about your daughter, that they can do anything, but also teaching your son that you need to,
1: yeah. I love, I love that. I think it's great to be able to teach that kind of respect. They're a lot of fun. They are just so much work, but they're just like so much fun and they're really cute. So, what are we
0: like them, yeah. we'll hang on to them. <laughs> <one. laughs> I said that to my
1: husband. I was like, yeah, I think, we'll,
0: I think we'll keep this one for a bit. Just, yeah.
1: Till he annoys me again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Till yeah, the next exactly. time he has his
0: toddler temper tantrum and,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Till the next time you hear. How about no? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I can't punish him
0: for it because it's my own fault for saying it, and I blame his dad. It's his yes. dad's fault. So you know what they're always watching. Much- yeah, I know. You forget how much always- they're listening to, don't you?
1: It's and and what they pick up on. We we watch a lot of The Office in our house, and I feel like the sarcasm runs very heavy with even our almost five year old. It's amazing what they pick up on. Sarcasm was not a thing when I was growing yeah. up. Just what, raising them with that is really hilarious. Yeah.
0: We're big Office fans here as well. And he does quote from that as well because he's constantly on in our house, basically. And
1: yeah, yes. yeah.
0: Not the not the British version, I will say. I do think the American Office, which... I know um, is such a bad thing to say because the British is the original, but I'm sorry. The American one yeah. does... It does just pip it a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I ask what your favorite episode is? Oh, do you know, I absolutely, my favorite office episode is the Jan and Michael where they're at the house, the dinner party episode. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Serenity by Jan. But- and he throws the thing at the TV. And yeah, I love that, that- episode. I think it's hilarious. And I'm really annoyed that song, you know, the song that's playing in the background that Jan has. I think it's her assistant Hunter has recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Why that is not a song, I don't know, because it's actually a really good song. (laughs) That needs to be on
1: iTunes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. That's a good. No, I love that one. I love that. Good choice. What about you? What's yours? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Since it's basically white noise in our house, we literally always have it on. I think probably I, Scott's Tots used to be oh. my favorite, but the more and more that I watch the deposition is definitely, it's up there. Yeah. I think those are my top two for yeah. sure. Oh, Scott's
0: Tots are so cringy. It's just, yeah, the, you just want the ground to open up and swallow him when he goes into those. Oh, why? Why would you say oh, that to no. a bunch of
1: children and? Yep, there's that. And there's so many classic ones and so many classic oh, lines, but yeah. yeah, those are definitely
0: hundred percent. Yeah, and um, quotable moments as well. Like when we stupid things, like when we were at home because we've got a little boy and he loves climbing stuff and things like that. And me and my husband will sit there and we'll watch him and we'll go parkour,
1: parkour, like they said <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh, now parkour comes yeah. I love
0: that. <laughs> Well, it's been amazing to talk to you. I'm so sorry. It's suddenly gone. I absolutely pitch black here. And I didn't put my ring light on because I thought I don't need it. It's nice and bright. And then all of a sudden the sun has just disappeared for some reason. But yeah, I'm oh, well, sitting in pitch you... black now. So sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well. Do you just want to just quickly give yeah. your
1: socials and where people can find you and how they can get in contact with you? Yeah. Absolutely. If you are an Instagrammer, you can find us at canary underscore careers. And I'll send that over to you, Lucy, or you can email me at info at canarycareers.co.uk. That's my email address. You can jump on our website, www.canary-careers.com. So those are a couple of different places you can find us or you can ping Lucy and then she'll have my contact info too. I will. So yes, let us help you. Let's take it next level. Let's find you a job that you love and
0: you're excited about. Amazing! I love that. Thank you so much again for coming on the podcast, Laura. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, we will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.